In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. I have sinned against God. What shall I do? This is the place and position in which the prodigal son finds himself. He had sinned against God and his father by how he handled himself and how he treated his father. This is the question to which David the psalmist gives voice in Psalm 32. He relates his own struggle with his sin and he provides an answer for us on how to proceed. In this way, this psalm provides for us direction, instruction, and even words with which we can go before God and voice our own sins. In Lent, we have been encouraged to re-examine our own lives, to reconsider our ways. We've been reminded of our need to repent and heard our Lord's call to return to Him. Today, as we take up the words of the psalmist, we are not only reminded of these lessons, but we see the blessing we have in this. And this is where the psalmist begins. David starts off by reminding us what a blessing it is to have our sins forgiven, to be absolved of our sin by God, to be cleared of the guilt and iniquity of what we have done or what we fail to do is a great blessing. Anyone has had, who has had all their crimes expunged and their records cleared before the eternal judge of the whole universe is blessed. No such criminal deserves to have this done. We have no right before God that he must do this. Rather, it is God's gracious act to you and me. It is a gift for which David celebrates and for which we can likewise rejoice. However, David has not always made use of this great gift. He speaks about how he hid his sin and how it impacted his life. It caused him to have inner turmoil. It caused him to be filled with grief and groaning. His bones wasted away. He felt God's hand of correction upon him. This may be a reflection of his conscience, some physical affliction, or even both of these. Perhaps you experienced this too. David's words ring true because this is a common experience among people. There are times we hold on to our sins or don't acknowledge what we have done that was wrong. When this happens, the emptiness of sin is revealed in our hearts because the sin eats at our life. Our strength wastes away like land that is parched and dried out by the heat of the sun. There's no refreshing or renewing because sin is cutting us off from God, the source of life. At 
This is the very painful thing we saw happen at the beginning with Adam and Eve who tried to hide their sin from God, hiding by fig leaves and bushes, and then tried to hide it by blaming someone else. And finally, finally they got a taste of what this was doing for them. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, no longer able to dwell in God's presence, no longer able to walk with God, the source of life. They were cut off. And so sin does the same for us. Now after being dried up and withering, David confesses. In verse 5, David reveals his sin to God. He says plainly what he has done and what he failed to do. He confesses his transgressions and God forgave his sin. God is faithful to his word and promise. He covers over our sins. We follow in David's example and faith when we confess our sins to God. We can confess to God in prayer as we already do in the Lord's Prayer. We can confess our sin before God, before our fellow Christians, especially when we have sinned against them. We can confess privately to the pastor, and we can confess together, as we do in church on Sunday mornings. In verses 6 to 7, David points us to praying and to the protection that is found in our Lord and God. He is the only true hiding place, the only place of rescue and deliverance. There is protection for the one who is in Christ Jesus. Even the great floodwaters do not sweep him away. This protection that God provides covers us in many different ways. First, there's the protection from the guilt and shame, which does not mean we won't face guilt or shame, but that we can be released from the bondage of such. We find true peace in Christ, who bears our guilt and shame with us and for us. We're not alone or abandoned as he takes the greatest consequences of our sin. This he has done and finished at the cross, and we still feel the impact of that work today. Now, second, while we face consequences for our own sins, we will be delivered from these consequences in the future. We have hope because Christ's protection from the eternal consequences has begun. We know that the earthly consequences will not last long. God will deliver us from the distress of this world. Third, our Lord and God guards us from departing from His ways and paths. He watches over us. He has sent others to help us and to teach us. David reflects on how he will do this. He seeks to teach and instruct you and me in the way to go. He calls whoever is listening to not act like a horse or a mule. In other words, don't let sin be your master. Yes, you are forgiven, but do not use your forgiveness to sin. Rather, use it like David does here. 
Use His grace and mercy to reach out in service to others. Live as the people of God. That's who you are. You are forgiven. You belong to God. He is your master and He alone. David concludes this psalm by reminding us that the Lord's protection surrounds His people and calls us to joy and rejoicing. Such joy and rejoicing is certainly depicted in the story of the prodigal son who returns home. The father throws a party for his lost son who returns. There's great joy because the father has reconciled his son to himself. This joy is ours. For we likewise have been reconciled with God. No longer are we part of the old way of life. No longer are we separated from God and living according to our flesh. We are new creations. We've been baptized and given a new life, an eternal life. Our transgressions are no more. This is the joy you hear sung about in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. This is the thanks laid before God. He is providing salvation. Out of himself comes this mighty deliverance, for he is the deep well that never runs dry. He doesn't run out of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. He doesn't run out of life. No, he ever provides, and he's provided his life and salvation for you in those blessed baptismal waters. So blessed are you, for you are forgiven. Blessed are you, for God is not holding your sin against you. He's taken your sin away. And in its place, he has filled you with life. Your sin was taking away your life, causing you to waste away. But no more. Now you are full of life. You are full of God's goodness. Now you can live out your life differently. You're not bound to repeat your sin. You can live doing what is good and right. You can lay aside the destructive things of lies, hatred, envy, covetousness, self-centeredness, and any other evil. You can put on hope, righteousness, love, compassion, and all the goodness of Christ Jesus. You can walk in His paths with His Word and the example of the saints before you to guide you. You can lead other sinners and instruct them in the way to go. And whenever you might fail or fall, you can return here to Psalm 32. You have the blessing that we can walk in the same path as David and confess our sin and then have the Lord speak. Your iniquity is forgiven. You can rejoice in song, singing hymns and praise to our Lord and God for this mighty work He has done. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.